Welcome everyone back to the Fathom Family Podcast. It is, uh, I guess, season two, a brand new era of the Fathom Family Podcast. As always, yeah, I'm excited. My lovely bride, Tyler Taren, here uh, back with you guys, and we're excited about this new season for Fathom Family. Yeah. So this last time we had a, a few, I don't know, episodes. I, I'm learning all the lingo. Um, but this time we're getting to invite other people to come on and talk with us. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, this is fun because we get to like bring friends around the con- like into the conversation and just sit around yeah. the table and just learn from one another and grow together. And that's that's really what we've cared to do is like just create space, create opportunity and inspiration for people to really invest in their marriage, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's at the end of the day, it's you run um, with this content and applying it yeah. in your life. And as always, we're trying to make things accessible. So come on, just a quick drive to the grocery store. You'll be able to listen to this whole conversation. And so we're excited today to be welcoming uh, friends of ours, Jeremy and Corey Isaacs, all the way from the great state of Georgia. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. We're doing great. Thanks for the invite. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we, we've known uh, Jeremy and Corey for a while. We actually have the same alma mater, Go Flames. Yeah. Go Flames. That's Go it. That's right. <laughs> and so uh, we're excited. They've been down here in Jacksonville to be a part yeah. of the Fathom Marriage Conference. And, and they're doing a lot of amazing things for marriage and family. Uh, great parents. Uh, they're pastors as well. So we've got uh, a lot in common and uh yeah. and so thankful for y'all's friendship and, and excited about what God's doing in your life excited about you guys have a new book we're going to talk about that some and uh come on just take a few minutes and share uh briefly just let folks know a little bit about who you are we know who you are tell them a little bit of your story and kind of uh you, you got kids too so yes yeah, Jeremy and I have four children. They are 17, 15, 13, and 11. Three boys are the oldest and a little girl. Uh, we met when we were 13 years old. Didn't really date until we got into college. Yeah. The later parts of college got married there. We've been married almost 19 years, yeah. which seems almost impossible. And um, we were youth pastors for several years. Um, moved to Atlanta to be youth pastors, and then now we pastor an incredible church here in Canton Generations Church. Yeah, so Canton, Georgia is about 45 minutes north of the city of Atlanta. We say that we're like the perfect distance from the downtown Atlanta area and the mountains of North Georgia. We're like halfway between, so we love it. We can we could be to a Braves game. Yeah, we could be to yeah. a Braves game or a Falcons game in 30 or 40 minutes, but we could also be to the mountains and the woods, you know, in 30 or 40 I minutes, too, so we love it. And, uh, and so we're, you know, we love this community. We moved to our community in 2007. We were actually on staff at a church about 20 miles south of us, but the economy and the housing market before all the bubbles and bursts and all of those kinds of things, this was just a really great community for us, kind of a bedroom community where you could commute to where we were working the church there. And, uh, and then in 2012, we, uh, launched the church that we lead now as a campus of that church that we were on staff and, uh, and then did that as a campus in a portable setting for about four years and then moved to our current location. And then they planted us as an autonomous church in 2017. And so we've been doing that for a little over five, almost six years now. And uh, it's called Generations Church. So it fits so much into the theme of what we're even talking about, what you guys are doing. Um, comes, from, yeah. comes from Deuteronomy 6. It says that, you know, faith is for you, your children, your children's children. It says when you get into the land or the promises of God, like your children are going to ask, like, how did we get here? And what did we do? And all of those kinds of questions. And you're going to drink from wells you didn't dig and eat from vineyards you didn't plant. And so we recognize like this, the faith heritage 
and the lineage. And so many people in our church are second or third or fourth generation believers. And some of them are first generation believers, but each of them is trying to write a new story for future generations of faith. And so that's what we try to live out in our home. And then we're so you know honored to lead a church that has that same heart. It, it just it just hit me, man. I remember when you guys were changing name, becoming autonomous. I remember praying with you one night, and uh, and you just looked at me and said, "Man, that was such confirmation for what God's doing in our life." It was right now, and I just I just had forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I remember that. That's that was cool one of those special things. That's exactly right. One of those really cool moments. Um, and there were, you know, there were two or three of those specific kind of altar type moments, milestone moments where the Lord was confirming some things in us or really shaping some things in us that allowed for the heart that we have um, to really be fleshed out in, in a more corporate setting, in a more church type setting that wasn't just for our home. But it was for like this whole house, like the, these the homes that make up this church and this place, and that that gave us a lot of confidence. Things like when we prayed together, and uh, again, one or two other little moments that just gave us the confidence. To say, yeah, this is definitely something the Lord is is doing, and, mm-hmm. and so we're thankful for thankful for people like you that helped to bring that confirmation Absolutely. the Lord used in that way. That, that's so cool, I man. I want to talk about this this book because I know there's a lot that's getting fleshed out in this. Um, the, the book's called Your Marriage Matters, so I I kind of get. What, what inspired you is that marriage matters yeah. and get people to inspire. But what, I mean, it's, a, it's one thing to be like, okay, you're, everybody's marriage matters. It's another thing to be like, we're going to put in the work yeah. to write a book that is not an easy endeavor at all. Um, I know it's your, your second uh, book, right? And so um, what, what inspired you guys to, to come together on this and tell us, uh, give us a, a brief kind of idea of what it is and uh, I'll yeah. it and dig into it. Well, I think, you know, like you said, you know, we believe that marriage matters. We believe marriage is important, but we also think that the matters of your marriage are things that everybody fights through and works through and, and, and deals with. And there's so much commonality in marriage, but I think unfortunately what happens is whether it's out of our own insecurity, out of whether it's out of a lack of communication with like influential couples or people around you that are influencing your marriage, sometimes we feel like as married couples that we're the only couple going through the kinds of things that we're going through. Those like those matters of marriage, there's so much commonality in them. And so if you can create some space for dialogue or you can read stories of other couples or you can hear things that other people are open enough to share about, it's like, oh, okay, so we're not abnormal in that regard. We're not weird. Like there is some, everybody seems to argue about those types of things or every wife gets frustrated about those types or every husband. Does. And, and, and while that should create a sense of commonality. We also recognize that if we deal with those types of things and we recognize that like, we're not going to allow the enemy to try to use those to isolate us, but we lean into how to deal with some of those things or process some of those things. We actually get to live out a much larger story that actually shows that the marriage that we're in, the marriage that we're living, it matters for a larger purpose. And, uh, and we draw that from Ephesians chapter five. Um, there's so much great text about marriage and, and, and even just the metaphor of marriage in scripture but Ephesians 5, chapter 5 is really that place where you see that it's this great mystery. It's Christ and the church that are depicted through this husband and wife relationship. And so, you know, when Corey and I are in our marriage, we are also telling a larger love story than just Jeremy and Corey. We're telling the love story of God's love for humanity through Jesus Christ, his son, to his bride, the church. And so, uh, as we live out our marriage, if we are Christ honoring, Christ guided in our relationship, and all of us have room to grow in that, but if, if that's our pursuit and our endeavor, then we're, then God's invited us into telling this this larger story. 
And, uh, and it really helps us to keep proper perspective about the things that we do in marriage. So you say all the time, your marriage matters for all the reasons that you think that it would matter. And then for so many more that we can't even comprehend why it matters. It's true. I love and that. So for reasons we, we know and reasons that we don't even know. Yeah. There are some of those that are like very obvious, like, cause your kids are watching, your kids are in your home, yeah. but then there's yeah. other things that your marriage speaks to or illuminates uh, in the people around you and the relationships around you in larger community and, and, and faith stories that um, sometimes you don't even recognize the impact your marriage could have Absolutely. perhaps until much later or sometimes you know, maybe not at all. Corey tells the story. I'll let her tell it. But like there were marriages that she was observing in the home that she grew up in outside of her home. She was watching those marriages and those people probably still don't have any clue the impact that they had on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, so Jeremy. So yeah. Yeah. Come from very different contexts of marriage. And so Jeremy, where he got to witness the things that we're talking about play out within his home, I had to find examples outside of my home to, to watch. And so it, it, we kind of talk about the idea of like living that out in your home, but also like living it out for the people that are around you, your neighbors, your, your coworkers, your, because somebody's always watching, right? And we, and we don't always give credit to that. And we assume that if somebody was watching, we would know that they were watching. But I would say 99% of the time, we don't know who's watching us. We don't know what they're watching. And we want to help tell the greatest love story ever told. And that's Jesus' love for his church, the bride of Christ. And we get to help tell that story to the world. And um, so it really does. It's important how you live it out because somebody's watching. And I am a byproduct of getting to watch some incredible marriages play out to help rewrite kind of the story that's different from what from, from what I experienced growing up. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. You mentioned um, how the, your kids are watching. So like, what are some of the challenges that parenting has brought into your marriage or been highlighted in your marriage? Yeah. I, I think for me, I'll, I'll kind of drop back to my childhood first and then kind of flash forward. But we say, we, I, I tell this a lot, but like I never saw my parents argue. Now that doesn't imply that they didn't argue. I actually found out as I got older that they, they did. And their pet phrase for that was like, Hey, let's go discuss the budget. I don't know when they agreed on that. I just thought they were very fiscally responsible. Like I, but they, they were arguing, but they were doing so like behind closed doors. So when we first got have, married, have you started, th- have you started thinking what other code words did they have? That's yes, it. What other exactly. code words, what, what other things did they say now that they said all the time? Like, what did they mean? But for me, like I just never watched them work through conflict together And so when we first got married, how we dealt with conflict, like I had to learn that I didn't, even though my parents had an amazing marriage, like one that I would love for us. And we tried to emulate so many of the good characteristics of that marriage. Mm -hmm. Like there were some of those things that I felt deficient in because when we first got married, the first argument we had, I thought, oh my gosh, we're getting divorced. Like uh, married couples that love one another don't fight because I never saw my parents argue uh, in public. But what, what we had to recognize is that there is a proper way. I, I'm never going to, even if we're having conflict or things like, sometimes that needs to be done behind closed doors, but sometimes your kids need to watch you kind of work through it in God honoring, loving, life-giving ways, whether it's with them, with each other, with other people to see and to learn those skills of like conflict resolution. So I think for us, it's finding balance in that. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big challenge. So I think that's one for me is like, learning how to expose your children to the kinds of life skills and relational skills that they would need without overdoing it or doing something in a way that would scar them or that they don't have the mental capacity, depending on their age, to really process and understand in a healthy way. So I think that's definitely a huge part of that for me is just that that conflict piece and those life skills. And then I think the other thing for, for me, and then I'll, I'll let Corey share is 
I just think allowing our kids, I, I preached on this even yesterday at our church, we're recording this on a Monday, but you know, like I, I've heard a number of people say similar things, but that our kids don't have to be like carbon copies of who we are as they grow up. Like they get to be themselves with the unique gifts and, and skills that God has gifted to them. And, um, but they have to really align with the values of our household. And so like, what are those values? What do, what do we believe in? What, what are the foundational guardrails of our home and the relationships of our home? And if you have our values, you can create whatever vision for your life that you desire. You, you, you can create those things. And we've, we've taken those. I've heard people like you say that. I've heard Pastor Chris Hodges at Highland say that. I've heard other people say similar things. And so shaping those things to say, like, if you can align with these values, like you can chase so many other things because these values will keep you in the right path in the pursuit of the right things. And so really giving our children the flexibility to do that, but within the context of our marriage, helping them to see that, like, we support them in those things, but there are also some non-negotiables within our home. That's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Right. It really is. Because I think the natural tendency is to make carbon copies. Absolutely. Because yeah, we'll see these elements of our kids that are a lot like us or drive us crazy because they are getting that from us. And we're right. trying to be like, no, that's not actually a good part. Yeah. And then letting them be who they are, too. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think kids have an unbelievable ability to kind of be a magnifying glass yeah. of our own life. You know, yeah. I think oftentimes people think, you know, kids will make this like, complete family or we'll figure it out when we have kids when really they magnify so much of our deficiencies unfortunately and where we fall short um and so i do think it's important for all of us to become students of our kids as much as our kids become students of us you know we are teaching our kids it's a god-given responsibility to instill um, god honoring god living principles into their life Yet at the same time, I think God and his creativity allows for kids to teach us and expose some very important things in us. Um, and so I think I've had to become a student of my my kids as well. And God's used that in some moments to go like, oh, I am actually fussing at them for the same thing I do. How hypocritical. Mm. Or I'm actually expecting something of them that I don't even expect of myself. Yeah. Or I'm expecting a level of perfection that's impossible to achieve. Like the standard of living is something that I don't even like live up to. So I do think that one of the things parenting does is, is it puts a magnifying glass on where we kind of don't get it right all the time either. And so there's a lot of times I've had to go into my kid's room and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I, I expected something of you that I don't even follow through with or whatever it is. Cause I'm a student of our, of our kids. They've taught me so much. It's good. That's good. You need to write that down. That's so good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, I'm already so much better as a parent just because of this 15 minutes. No, <laughs> no. talking, and I just as you were talking, Corey, I'm just like I resemble that statement so much. Like I just, uh, it, the struggle is real. This is not is easy. Hard. It's not. Yeah, we don't come to this thing ready to go. No. Um, as a, a book we we taught through uh, puts it, it's like a giraffe, like on ice skates. <laughs> We're just trying to yeah. find our yeah. way, stumbling yeah. and failing forward. Yeah. Well, and I think too that the reality uh, we had a, a couple that we were in a small group with. This was years ago, but they had kids much older than our kids at that time. Our kids were very very small, and their kids were like middle school, high school, or even you know about to graduate, and so. 
I was listening to this mom and she made this really profound statement. I've quoted her a number of times. I told her this not too long ago that I quote you all the time. And she was like, oh, I didn't even remember saying that. But um, she said, so much of what I learned about God myself was in moments of failing and in moments of disappointment and in moments of, and she said, I want my children to learn all that I know about God without having to experience all the hurt and pain. And she said, so that's kind of a little bit of a catch 22 because the things I learned, I learned in those seasons. And I try to keep my kids from having to experience any of those things. I protect them. I protect them. I I, I correct them. I correct them. And there are those responsibilities we have as parents, but ultimately some of that is kind of like you said, a little bit of in the parenting and in their relationship, failing forward, giving them a safe environment in our Mm -hmm. home to learn all that they can about God, to make some mistakes, but also to learn what correction is. And we've said for a long time, we've probably missed the mark more than we've, we've made it for 100%. sure. But we have always adopted the idea that discipline of our kids is not about correcting wrong behavior. It's about creating future right behavior. So we don't say to them, hey, we don't lie. We say, hey, we tell the truth in our family. It's like we don't get on to them for missing curfew. We talk about keeping our word and honoring authority. And so ultimately, discipline is about creating that future right behavior rather than just correcting wrong because they're going to make mistakes. We did. We still do. And they are. But ultimately, we try to help shape whatever those mistakes, whether they're little or big, into a learning process. And they find grace, even in the discipline of scripture talks about the loving father disciplines, but they find grace in that discipline that says, no, I love you enough to help you walk this out in the safe environment that's here, rather than to try to protect you from all those things. And you got to learn them when you get outside of the safety of our home. And that that would be even far worse for them than to make those mistakes here. I think too, like most families would say that they have core values, even if they're not like written down core values, right? You can look at every family and and realize what they value in their life, even if they're unaware. It's almost like the old saying that talks about, you know, what's important in someone's life when you open up their bank account or whatever you used to say, the check where their money is going. Very similar in the way you watch people live their life. Like you can tell what they prioritize in their home and what they value. And so definitely out of our personality, we kind of comb the phrase that like, if everything is important, then nothing is important. Yeah. And it's this idea that if you make everything in your kid's life, if you make everything equal value of equal importance, then they actually don't know what to prioritize because everything holds the same weight. If spilling a glass of milk, it's the same kind of punishment as telling a lie. And what I've told them is that those are equal. Those are the, and they're not. Telling a lie should require discipline action. Mm-hmm. Spilling a milk was an accident yeah. and they need to know the difference. And so I do think early on, it was like, if everything's a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. And so I think for everybody's family, it's feeling like what are big deals in our home will be different than what are big deals in your home. And so it's not that the big deals have to be the same in every family, but every family does have to realize like, these are the things we prioritize as a family. And those are the things that get our attention. Those are the things that get correction. Those are the things that get praise even like rewarding, whatever that looks like, because we do want to make sure our kids understand that in in this God honoring life of pursuing a relationship with Jesus, these are the things that are important in that. It's not about mm-hmm. perfection, it's about pursuit. And in our home, we want to try to allow discipline to follow that kind of action. Yeah, that's good. Oh, are you writing this down? No, no. but we've got it recorded. You two are. No, you could, do, you are incredible. <laughs> yeah. I've well, it's just so cool because you guys. 
you guys haven't been married a whole lot longer than us, no. but you have a 17 year old and you know, our oldest is only 11. So it's, just it's just so cool to watch people ahead of you and learn yeah. and grow that way. Sure. It's, I love it. I love it. Well, cool. Uh, we're going to keep this conversation going into a couple more episodes, um, but we're going to let everybody get on with their day and make sure you tune into our next couple episodes with Jeremy and Corey. We're going to keep this conversation going.